Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet and let's prepare to go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Amen. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't forget, spread the word. This Saturday is our prayer breakfast. Uh, We get going at 8 a.m love for you to join us and um, this Tuesday evening I'll mention this again Sunday but this Tuesday evening uh, we're hosting a events committee uh, meeting if you want to be a part of the events committee in this church you want to be a part of helping to plan some of the events that we have coming up and events that are ongoing and you want to be a part of helping to make sure those plans are thorough, um, uh, sign up. We supposed to have a sign-up sheet. Where's the sign-up sheet, Brother Paul? Think of the truth. There should be a sign-up sheet somewhere. But um, sign up tonight before you go. And so you want to be a part that way. We need your name and phone number. And we will send you the link to the um, Zoom meeting for Tuesday evening. So you can sign up after church tonight. Sign up after church Sunday. And um, we will host a meeting Tuesday because we want to uh, make sure our activity committee is activated thoroughly and doing what needs to be done. Um, Picnic is coming up and we want to have a great picnic. And so if you have something to contribute, then you probably want to sign up and be a part of the activity uh, committee, unless you're one of those people that like to give orders, but you don't want to help out. If you like to give orders, get to be a part of the committee. And you'll see how it worked that sometimes it's not just about giving orders. It's how to work um, on a team and be able to uh, make it all go and work together cohesively. We're a body and we're not an individual. And so Well, we are an individual, but in the kingdom, we are a body functioning together. I want you to pray with me tonight. I I don't know if sometimes we we don't believe that there's strongholds sometimes that have us bound. And I want you to pray tonight and ask God to uh, break all the strongholds, loose all the strongholds that have us bound in this church. Um, And I want you to pray and ask God to help you to do what the word of God is speaking to you to do. Um, We have to challenge ourselves a little bit more that um, we can't just be hearers of the word, but we must be hearers and doers. I mentioned last night um, on our leadership uh, meeting that um, Sunday school, um, discipleship class, and even CSTI, these are all uh, teaching Uh, platforms where we teach, Um, we said we're giving you a break from those classes, and so we're not doing those classes. You'll have your Sunday school class this this Saturday, and after this Saturday, we'll take a break until September. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, We need to always get a time to refresh. Um, We need to get a time to pray to see how God wants to direct us to do things. Maybe we need to do things differently. We need to do things a a certain way. And so 
Uh, we need to take some time and seek the Lord to see what he wants to have us to do and how he wants us to go about things. Um, also, too, um, we need to really put more focus on reaching the lost. And um, you're probably going to hear me talk about it a whole lot until I see it start happening. Um, we can't get off that topic. We cannot get off the topic of talking about um, reaching the lost, uh, making disciples, um, being a witness. Um, and we can't allow ourselves um, to or let the devil tell us that people don't want Jesus. A lot of times, if we're not praying specifically for God to help us to reach the lost, we'll, we'll find ourselves going to people that are not ready to receive from God. And then that's the thing that you base people are not wanting God on. But it's a lot of times we're not praying to get specific guidance and direction from the Lord. And then we just go to anybody and then we get discouraged when they don't respond in the way we think they should respond. But if we would pray about it and say, Lord, I know it is your will that people be reached. I know you have called me to reach people. I need for you to direct me to who I need to reach and not just go to just anybody. Because anybody we can go to, that doesn't mean uh, they're going to hear from us because they may not be ready. The first time you heard about Jesus, uh, most of us wasn't ready. We heard it, but we wasn't ready. And so we can't be upset when we go to people that might be the first or second or even third, but they're not ready. And when we go to people and they're not ready, we're going to get frustrated. But when we go to people that are now ready, then we will be encouraged because now we will be able to do what God wants us to do. So I want you to pray tonight and ask God to uh, break the stronghold that is in our life, in our church, and help us to become proactive in being soul winners and disciple makers. Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you, Jesus, and I thank you for all of your goodness and mercy, your kindness and your love. Lord, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. Father, I call upon your name tonight, asking that you will have your way in this church tonight, Lord. I humble myself before you, Lord Jesus, and I ask that you will sanctify me, that you will purge me from any hindrance, iniquities, unrighteousness, or sin that will prevent me, Lord God, from tapping into the supernatural. I pray, Lord God, that you will overshadow me with your presence, Lord God, and constrain me in your righteousness. I pray and ask that you'll lead me by your spirit and allow me, Lord God, to rightly divide the word of truth. I pray for this congregation tonight, Lord God, that their hearts will be wide open and that they will be receptive to the word of God to the point, Lord God, where they will not just be hearers only, but they will become doers as well of the word of God. Lord, you've called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Lord, we want to reach our communities. We want to reach our cities. We want to reach our neighbors. We want to reach our lost family members. We want to reach people for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh God, we want you to send us to those people where their heart is ready. They are receptive to the word of God because it is, it is their time, Lord God. And oh God, we're coming tonight to you to say, 
Help us, Lord. Will you give us direction as to what you will have us to do, Lord God? Will you strengthen us in faith, almighty God, that, Lord, we will not doubt in any way what you are calling us to the kingdom to do? I pray, Father, that the Spirit of the Lord will speak expressively to us tonight, Lord God. And, oh, my God, that tonight will not just be another time of us hearing the word of God, that we will just... Tonight, Lord God, the word will be different to us. The word will challenge and, oh God, the word will correct and reprove and rebuke and edify and help us, almighty God, to step into a different dimension of spirituality, Lord God. Oh, Lord Jesus, the enemy doesn't want us to serve you. The enemy doesn't want us to do your will. But I've come tonight, Lord God, to ask, oh God, that you'll strengthen the saints of God, that you'll empower the saints of God, that, Lord, they will overcome all the adversaries and all of the obstacles and all of the challenges, Lord God, that is getting in our way, Lord God. I pray the authority of the Lord will be exercised by the saints of God that we will take authority like never before and we will begin Lord God to walk in the power of your might and begin Lord God to stand on the word of God help us tonight Lord God that we will not be the same at the end of our Bible study tonight that we will not be the same but the Holy Ghost Lord God will stir us will move us will challenge us will speak to us uh, oh God, that we will not be the same again. Uh, that our eyes will be open, oh God. Uh, our ears will be unstopped, Lord God. Uh, and the Spirit of the Lord will be upon us, oh God. Uh, I pray, Father, that you will help us to reach the lost. Uh, help us to become disciple makers. Uh, help us, almighty God, to do uh, what you would have us to do, Lord God. Uh, it is not your will uh, that any should perish, uh, but that all be saved, Lord God. Uh, you called us to the kingdom. Lord, to be laborers together with you, to be able, Lord God, to be the light and to be your instrument that you can work through. Lord, we're your vessels. Hear our cry tonight, Lord, how desperate we are to be used of you, how desperate we are to be effective in our walk with you, how desperate we are to live out our purpose in you. Hear our cry tonight, Lord. Hear our petition tonight, Lord, and move upon us, Lord. If there's strongholds, oh God, that have us bound, I pray tonight that the strongholds will loose us. I pray, Lord God, if there's invisible chains that have us bound, you will break them tonight, Lord God, and set us free to be in the Holy Ghost, and set us free to do the work of the ministry, and set us free to go forward, and to represent you as ambassadors, as saints of God, as instruments of God, as conduits, almighty God. Lord, have your way and let there be a fresh anointing that will come upon us. Let there be restoration that will take place in our soul and let the power of God move upon us. We call upon your name tonight, Lord God. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Ayoroboshike terebaha. Iyarabasoko ramasiye terebo. Arabasororobosaye keteyororobosiye. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praises. Oh, God, all praises belong to you. We bless your name. The Lord is good. Your mercy everlasting and your truth endure it to all generations. I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. You are the King of kings, O God. The Lord of lords, the great I am. You are he that sits on the throne. The one which is, which was, and which is to come. The only true and living God. The only wise God. It is you, Lord God, that gave life, Almighty God, and we pray. And magnify your holy name. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, have your way. Yes, Jesus, have your way. Jesus have your way, Jesus have your way, Jesus have your way, Jesus have your way. Oh, Jesus have your way, Jesus have your way. We love you, Lord, we need you, Lord. Without you, Lord, we are nothing, Lord. We can do nothing without you, Lord. We call upon your name, Lord God. We humble ourselves before you, Lord God. Oh, God, we say, help, help us, almighty God. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, almighty God. Oh, God, forgive us for being prideful, Lord God. Forgive us for not being submissive, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of our sins, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you tonight. We bless your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, to God, there is none like you. There is none beside you. You're the author and finisher of our faith, Almighty God. The only wise God, the only true and living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The other day, I shared with a group last night that a text of scripture, well, the thought was in my heart, and then I went to look at the scripture uh, in James chapter 5, verse 16, that says, um, Confess your faults one to another and pray ye for one another 
And that's the scripture that goes into saying the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that scripture sticks in my mind right now. And all I can tell you is go before the Lord with urgency, with 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 go before the Lord with a eagerness, uh, with a fervency in your prayers. Uh, as I said uh, to the group last night, sometimes it's not a, how much we pray, it's how effective we pray. And sometimes, you know, we feel like we got to pray, you know, a certain time. And that's why I say on the morning uh, prayer time, you don't have to pray a whole hour. You don't have to pray half hour. I don't care how long you pray. Just get involved and pray because it's, it's, it, it's, it's how effective you're praying. And sometimes you need to just meditate on the Lord and see how the spirit of God prompts you to pray. And when you pray that way, you begin to pray more effectively because when the spirit is prompting you to pray, it means you're praying the will of God. But when we just say words because we know the words to say, it, there's not even any fire behind it. There, there's, there's no conviction behind it. And so we're not praying the prayers of faith. We're, we're just saying words that we know how to say. And I, I pray that we will begin to get into that place where we're not just saying words, but that we're just seeking the Lord. You know, whatever happened to worship, you know, in your prayer time, do you worship? Do you stop and just be like, I worship the Lord. Do you in the morning, wherever you're sitting, standing, walking, do you lift your hands and just worship the Lord and just say, Lord, I worship you. You're so wonderful. And I, I love you, Lord. Great is the Lord. Do we stop and worship him or we're just going through the motions of what we know how to do? We can't go through the motions of what we know how to do. We got to get with this. The devil is trying to stop you, and you might not even think about it, but the devil is on your case right now. Whether you believe it or not, he's on your case. He's on your case. If he can, I don't care how many, any time there is war, there's, there's, there's oftentimes casualties. And the devil always looks for the, the ones he feels like he can take out. And so he is looking at you and say, I can take you out. So it's up to you how you want to look back at him. If you're going to fold up shop and say, well, you know, I'm struggling or well, I'm going through. Or you're going to say, devil, you're not fighting me because I represent myself and too many other people that need to be saved. And you're not winning this battle over my life. I am taking it to you. We got to start thinking like that because the devil is after you. He's after you. And we can't be casual and we can't go through the motions. We have to pray sincere, effectual, fervent prayer for God to help us. You need to say to yourself, every time I pray, I want to be able to get up from prayer and know that there's something different that's going on in my spirit. Every time I pray, I can't pray in, in the same way I went to prayer is the same way I get up from prayer. I don't want that. I want to get up from prayer and say, mm-hmm, something has transpired within my spirit because I just prayed. I want to talk to you, maybe seated over these next few weeks. I talked to you uh, not long ago. I talked about for some weeks about uh, strategic evangelism made practical. And I taught that for some time. Well, here I go again. I'm going to talk to you in, a, in the next few weeks on the topic of called to discipleship. Called to discipleship. And I hope, hope I can build something here where you see where it all starts and how it all is supposed to be done and where we're going with this. Called to discipleship. 
in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 18, the word of God says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. They were fishermen. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed and, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from the capitalists, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I am literal with the Bible. I tell you, and I understand that sometimes the scriptures go a lot deeper than what it's saying on the surface, but I first start with the surface and take it literal. And then I go deeper in my studies. But when I read this and I see people being healed, devils being cast out, the power of God is being revealed. When I read that and I see that, I expect to live that. Because this is not a fairy tale to me. This is not some story we're reading in a book and we're saying, oh, that was nice. That's not what this is to me. I understand that this literally happened. I understand that this is still happening. And so if I'm living this life, I need to see it. I need to experience it. And so I keep going to the Lord and whether it's praying or fussing or complaining, God, why aren't we seeing signs and wonders? God, what is wrong with us? If you would just tell us what's wrong, we will correct it just so we can live out what you want us to be. And those are the, that's what I'm talking about when I said praying effectual and fervent prayer. We can't be afraid to pray prayers that is, 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 is transparent, prayers that is honest. We want to pray fluffy, nice prayers, but we got to pray honest prayers because before we get to the fluffy, nice prayers, we got to say what's really true because we can't hear from God and we can't experience the power of God until we get stuff right first. Then we will see the glory and the power of God. So we don't need to pray fluffy prayers. We need to pray sincere prayers. We need to pray prayers that are honest. We can't skip over the prayers that are honest and go to the great lofty things. We have to pray sincere, honest prayers. 
And when we get when we start praying those prayers, then our heart will get right. And when our heart get right, then we will begin to pray more effective prayers. But if we're going to skip over the prayers that get our heart right and pray the lofty prayers, we'll never see the glory of God because you can't handle the glory if you're not prepared to handle the glory. In Romans chapter one, verse number 16, the scripture says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Key word there, salvation. To everyone that believe it, to the Jews first, and also to the Greek. Why did I read that to you? Because when you go through scripture, in case you don't know, you will look through scripture and you will see the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. If you look at the gospel of the kingdom, it it manifests the power of 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 healing and deliverance. It manifests those 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 works of the spirit. But when you look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's talking about his life. And that's the saving gospel. And the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel that manifests some of the, the, the things that we need to see. And so when you go back and say, here comes Jesus, the Bible talking about here comes Jesus preaching the kingdom. When it said that he was preaching the kingdom, he wasn't talking about his life. When it says preaching the kingdom, right after that, it starts talking to you about what was happening. So that wasn't his life yet. He, he wasn't giving you his life story. He was preaching the kingdom to let you see the power of the kingdom. But the life of Christ is what saves us. Him dying for us, shedding his blood is what saves us. So when you look at the gospel, you must say, is it the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of Jesus Christ? Andrew had followed John the Baptist. He listened as John spoke and watched with wonder as he baptized. And then Jesus showed up at the river of Jordan. As John stood knee deep in the muddy Jordan, he saw Jesus for the first time. And when he did, John did something Andrew had never seen him do for anyone. John fell to his knees, pointed his finger, and proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And I want to stop there and tell you, we need a fresh revelation of God. We have become too familiar and comfortable, and we don't realize who our Savior really is and what he can do. And if we're not getting that, that same awe of saying, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, if we're not be able to say, behold, God has, has done great things, if we're not getting a fresh move of the Spirit of God in our life to say those things, we need to go back to the original where we first started. Yes. I baptize you with water, but he who comes after me is mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. When Jesus stepped into the river to be baptized, John tried to switch places with him, but Jesus said he needed or he needed to he needed to be baptized 
to fulfill all righteousness. Not because that was the right baptism, but because he needed to be baptized to fill all right righteousness. Andrew had seen the fire in John's eyes and was sure of this one thing. John was convinced this man was the Messiah. Another thing that we have to, you remember, I know, let me speak for myself. I know when I first got saved, when my friends of old that I was friends with in the world, when they came around me, when they realized I wasn't going to do what they, what we used to do together, they saw in my eyes, the boy is different. He not coming with us. We'll just say what's up, talk to him for a minute, keep it moving, because he ain't coming. I see something in him that's different. And I, those are the prayers I pray, Lord, if people don't see that fire in my eyes like they used to, if they don't see that determination of walking with you like they used to, then God, you got to help me to get back to that place where they will see in my eyes there's something about him, there's something going on with him, and so he is on to something. That's what will convince people to want to know what do you you know or what do you have or when they see us we look like we're just getting by or we don't have no fire at all before any of us listen to me before any of us ever had our first encounter with the Lord Jesus he planted the seed of the knowledge of his existence in our consciousness I'll say it again before any one of us ever had our first encounter with the Lord Jesus, he had planted the seed of the knowledge of his existence in our conscience. All right, let's read through scripture so we can see that that's the way it is. For John the Baptist, this seed was planted when, <laughs> the scripture says John leaped in the womb when he when when they encountered each other so when mary and elizabeth had connected they met up in the hills the bible says they when 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 elizabeth who was along further in the pregnancy the the bible says the baby leaped elizabeth was 6 months old baby leaped i thought that was in interesting as god brought that to my mind as i'm studying today or yesterday, I forgot. I studied throughout the week. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how we're all going back and forth about this whole, you know, abortion law. And, and, and I'm like, ooh, Lord, that's interesting. The baby six months old leaped in the womb. Mm. Mm. Go look at it in Luke chapter 1, verse 41. Therefore, when he met Jesus while at the Jordan River, that familiar feeling had came back to him again. So while he was six months in the womb, John the Baptist was, he got an encounter with the Messiah who was in the womb of Mary. And, and we know that because the scripture says, John leaped. And so now when the scripture says, John said, behold, John had never seen Jesus after Jesus was delivered by his mom. They never saw each other until the day came where Jesus met John at the River Jordan, coming to fulfill the scriptures, not that he needed to be baptized, but coming to fulfill the scripture. John saw Jesus and said, oh, snap, behold the lamb. And what that means is to me, John realized 
I'm familiar with that person. That's the Messiah. That's the one we've been preparing the way for. And right away he knew it because of what was preparing, the seed that was being planted, that was prepared in his heart before he even met Jesus, before he even came out of the womb. So when he saw the Messiah, seed was already planted. It was in his consciousness already that the Messiah was coming and that he would know the Messiah. Where are you going with that, preacher? All the disciples and many others who met Jesus had heard the discussions about the Messiah before they ever encountered him. So when you go through your Bible before everyone uh, uh, encountered Jesus, they had heard. Someone was talking about it. There was discussion that there was going to be a Messiah that would come to be the Savior of the world. The discussion was going on. And so when, 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 when Andrew left his net and left his, left his job of being a fisherman, when he left to follow Jesus, it's because he already was understanding that this could be the Messiah. Before you ever walked into the doors of the church house, you already had heard about Jesus. How about using yourself? None of us walked in a church house and that was the first time we heard about Jesus. We might not have known him. We might not have understood who he was, but we heard discussion about Jesus, this Savior who died for the world. We heard those things. So when we walked in the church doors, we understood that, you know what, let me hear what they're saying. Because you didn't know everything that you needed to, but you had heard about him. Mm-hmm. So people that we encounter, they already had heard. God is working on their heart. And that's why it's important that we pray, God, I know you're working in people's heart. I know you're working on everybody's heart. Some will reject it, Lord. Some will receive it, Lord. Some aren't ready yet, Lord, but some are. Lord, will you lead us to the ones that are? Will you lead us to the ones that are, Lord? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that's clear to us to know that the seed is being planted about the Lord. So we might not understand and not know how this is all working because it's all being done by the power of the spirit. But we got to pray and say, God, who do we go to? The Lord knows we have families. The Lord knows we have jobs and all of that stuff. So he's not trying to waste your time. He only wants you to fulfill your purpose. But we will waste our time if we just go everywhere as opposed to saying, God, where you want me to go? Godly seeds were planted in your conscience along the way that brought you to this point where you are today. Why do you think Simon and Andrew were willing to forsake their fishing business to follow Jesus? Who does that? What do you or what do you or would you have? What do you think would have happened? Had they not followed Jesus? After Jesus called Simon and Andrew, 
he also called James and John, another set of brothers. And just like the first dynamic duo, James and John left their nets behind and followed Jesus. But for James and John, they left behind more than just their business. They left behind their family. Mm -hmm. Every one of us will have to leave something behind to follow Jesus. I'll say that again. Every one of us will have to leave something behind to follow Jesus. You, when, when you and I meet Jesus, we can't take what we have at that moment to follow Jesus. We're going to have to leave some things right where it is and go follow Jesus. We know from latter passages that Simon was married and we know from this passage that James and John were in business with their dad. Because Jesus called and his character was, was so compelling, who he was was so compelling, they valued being close to Jesus as opposed to their dad or their family. That was a decision they made. They felt like, my goodness. What I feel emanating from this man is so powerful and so drawing that I want to be around him over anybody or anything else. And they just left what they were doing and followed Jesus. What kind of drawing power that the Lord was manifesting, that was emanating from the Lord that made them say, I don't care. I got to go. I'm following this man. These men who left their routine to follow Jesus must have been so excited to follow him. They had been called by the Messiah, the Christ, to follow him. Have you ever stopped to say, my God, the, the great God that created everything, that gives life, the great God who is our salvation, the great God who everyone knows and talk about, that great God, he knows me by name. He knows every hair on my head by number, and he loves me, and he had called me personally. Have we stopped to think about that? That no matter how this world might seem crazy, crowded with people, and all this stuff is going on, have we stopped to realize God looks at you from a personal standpoint? He doesn't look at you with the crowd. He looks at you personally. Everything with, with, about you and God, it's personal. It's not a group. He might have us functioning as a group, but when it's you and him, he is not looking at you from a group standpoint. It's one on one. That's how he sees you. No longer would their impact be limited to feeding hungry stomachs, but they were about to change eternity by feeding hungry souls. They made a choice. Should the profession be selling fish and that's the way I earn my living or reaching the loss, walking with Jesus Christ? 
They made a choice to say what they thought was more important and more significant. And I say it all the time and we need to get it in our minds. We have the greatest responsibility in all of man's history. Nobody but the children of God have this responsibility, which is to help man go from the, 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 the drudgery of sin unto eternity. We have that responsibility and that privilege and that opportunity to help mankind not perish in their sin and go to hell but to help them experience eternal life I appreciate doctors who operate on us I appreciate the medical profession but the bottom line is they're working on a body that one day will perish they're working on a body that one day will go back to the dust of the earth but when we work on mankind we're working on their soul their soul will live forever there is no greater responsibility than that, which is to feed hungry souls. Who would pass up an opportunity and a privilege to save lives as opposed to feed the body? What does his call ask of us? What is God calling us to? Why did the disciples quit their jobs to follow Jesus? Does God's call in our lives mean we quit our jobs to follow him? Let me help you with that. Obviously, God is not calling all of us to quit our jobs to follow him. He is calling some of us to quit our jobs and follow him. Reading this gave me a different perspective. Oh, God help me. Reading this gave me a different perspective, and maybe you need to highlight th th this whole text in your Bible. It gives me a different perspective on now why the preacher needs to go and serve the Lord and be paid for it. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all we got out of it. Those men were expert fishermen. I don't know what their salary was and what they were making, but the bottom line is I'm sure they were doing well taking care of their families being fishermen. When they started following Jesus, how was their family going to eat? How were they going to continue to have what they need? They quit their jobs. And people walk around our world and want to talk about he can go work. No, he chose to feed souls as opposed to stomach. That's what the man of God chose. That's what the woman of God chose. I'm going to leave this secular and I'm going to go and feed the souls of men that they will be saved. I'm going to follow Jesus and do his will to feed the soul of men. I prefer to do that than worry about everything else. And that's what some of the men and women of God has chosen to do, why wouldn't we take care of them? Hmm. The disciples had to follow, had to quit their jobs and follow Jesus because Jesus was going to travel all around 
and their commitment had to be wholehearted. So when you hear of evangelists and pastors and apostles and all of that stuff, people that are serving God, when you hear of them going and doing it, we need to get a different perspective. Because they have made this their profession, their life, they have to continue to go. And continuing to go to serve the Lord wholeheartedly is going to require that there's nothing else to do but that. And so... Everybody is not going to serve the Lord in the capacity of the apostles. So everybody don't have to quit their jobs and go do it. Now, if the Lord telling you to quit your job and do it, then you got to quit your job and do it. Jesus is not calling all of us to, to, to be roving disciples like Simon and the others. But he is calling us to follow him wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. God is saying, I need you to follow me wholeheartedly, not give me some of you, not, not give me some time when you have time. I need you to follow me wholeheartedly. The Lord Jesus is calling us to respond to the gospel message. He is calling us into relationship. So there's two things that we need to do when the Lord calls us. We need to respond to the gospel message, and then we need to respond to the calling of a relationship with him. Too often, all we want to do is respond to the gospel because the Bible tells us the gospel saves us. So when we, when we hear of the gospel and that Jesus had given his life for us, and we hear of the gospel like that, we say, whoa, I need to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. And so we follow him for the gospel. The thing about the gospel is, guess what? When you obey the gospel message and get saved, you won't continue. You won't continue. Because you will focus on what the gospel did for you, which is to save you. But remember, I told you, there's the gospel of the kingdom. So when you get saved, you are operating in the kingdom. And I don't think the work in the kingdom ever stops. He is calling us to ministry. He is calling us to, ab to abundant and eternal life. So when the call comes to us, get saved by the gospel. Come and engage in relationship with me. Get involved in ministry. Enjoy abundant and eternal life. The call of God to respond to the gospel message is the most important call we will ever hear and answer. God's call to us in the 21st century is exactly the same call as his call in the first century. When God called the disciples who became apostles, their call is no different from yours. He just happened to have physically been here. <laughs> Oftentimes, we like to, and maybe it's just because of who we are, but we like to think, man, those apostles, they were so blessed. They had Jesus. They walked with him. They saw him. Brother Kellerman, if I'm reading my Bible right, it says, blessed 
or they who have not seen and believe, as opposed to those who have seen. <laughs> but somehow we tell ourselves, oh, they were so fortunate. They walked with the Messiah. God's call for every one of us to turn from our sinful past and turn to him. That is called repentance. When God calls us, we need to repent, turn around, and go in the ways of God and, and a, 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 a leave behind. <laughs> leave behind that lifestyle we were living. When we repent of our sins, we tell God we're sorry for our sins. And then we turn from our sins. Repentance happens near the beginning of our relationship with the Lord. But should also happen every single day. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. He's saying, I, I leave those things behind. I reject ungodliness. I die daily. I repent. Daily repentance. Keep our hearts right with God. Once we have repented our sins, of our sins, we are ready to be baptized, obviously, in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Many of us have gone through that. Baptism in Jesus' name is vital for the remission of sins and places the name of Jesus on our lives. Baptism happens near the beginning of our walk with the Lord and only happens once. You only need to be baptized in Jesus Christ once. Finally, God promised we could and would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise. You don't have the Holy Ghost. It's a promise. God is not withholding anything from you. He's not being mean to you. You're not doing anything that's offensive. Or maybe you could be not having faith or you don't understand certain things. But God is not trying to hold, withhold his spirit from you. The spirit of God comes to live inside of us when we receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead will dwell in us and raise us up when Jesus comes back for his church. We need the Holy Ghost because that's what's going to get us out of here, out of the earth to heaven. If you have never answered this call to salvation, today is a perfect day to hear and answer God's call to salvation. Thankfully, God's call is not just to be saved and then we hang out and do what we want until he comes back. Some may not say that's what they're doing, but you get a sense sometimes that's what we're doing. We get saved and we're like, thank God I don't do what I used to do. Well, are you doing what you're supposed to do? Thank God I don't do what I used to do. That's great. But are you now doing what you're supposed to do? Because we got to always realize we are saved from sin unto righteousness. So we don't say, oh, I'm glad I'm saved and I'm good. No, we have to say, now I go on to serving the Lord, having a relationship with him. God calls us to relationship with him. So the call to discipleship, the call to be saved, it's more than just be saved. 
The call is also for us to have relationship with him. He calls us to pray and spend time with him and in his word. The apostles, they walked with him physically, and that's how they spent time with him. Today, we, as his children, the church, we spend time with him when we are in the word, when we're praying, when we're allowing the spirit of God to move in our life. That's how we spend time with him now. So if we just go through the motions, if we just say vain words, then we're not spending time with him. We're not doing what we could do to develop a relationship. We often refer to walking with God as our relationship with God. But we have to ask ourselves, what qualifies relationship with God? What makes any one of us have a great relationship with someone else? Time you spend and conversations you have. Time you spend and conversations you have is what makes relationship good. If you don't spend a lot of time and you don't have a lot of conversations, relationship is not as good as it can be. Same thing with Jesus. If we don't spend time with him, and how do we spend time with him? In his word. That's how we spend time with him in his word. We're reading his word and absorbing all of it. That's how we spend time with him. How we spend time with him? When we pray the prayers of faith. As sure as the disciples talk with Jesus as they walk with him, we have the awesome privilege of talking with him and even hearing from him through prayers, through our interaction with him. But be ready. Because walking with God, listen to me, walking with God will cause us to rearrange our lives and priorities. I cannot say this enough, how we're living for God, but we are dictating how our life operates. And maybe I'm just a little off, or maybe I'm just not right in my head, but I remember from the day that I surrendered my life to God, I could no longer prioritize my life the way I wanted it to. And every once in a while I say to myself, well, maybe, Lord, all along you called me to be a preacher because you put something in me and that's why I'm living my life. I don't know I can hang on to that. I don't know if that's legit. So I just leave that alone. But I'm still going to say to all of us that when we start walking with God, we have to rearrange our lives and our priorities. If you are walking with God, but you dictate every aspect of your life, you got to ask yourself, am I really walking with God? Because even though God don't force himself on you, how dare any one of us supposed to be in a good relationship and we always have to dictate how the relationship go? If, we can, if we're not supposed to do that with each other, how dare us do it with God? And when we live our life the way we want to live it, what we're saying is, I am dictating everything that we do in this relationship, God. I will prioritize my life the way I want it, God. We will never have a relationship with anybody that way. Jesus is loving and kind. But he will not accept that kind of relationship that you or me are dictating how we go. Well, Lord, I tell you what, I'm running kind of late today. I will pray just a little bit when I get in the car. Lord, uh, 
I know you wanted me to witness to that person, but if I stop and talk to them, I'm going to be late for work. We've dictated our life, and we said we're walking with God. It may mean walking with God. It may mean wake up early to walk with God in prayer. Before we walk out the door each morning, we need to make sure we spend time with God in prayer. I really do thank God for our early morning prayer because it has helped us to put God as priority in our life. Praying in the morning has allowed us to make God priority to start our life out with to start our day out with because we know all of us know it's not easy to wake up at certain times and if you crazy like me and can't go to sleep at night you go to sleep at night late and you wake up early and that's not easy but when you say you're prioritizing your life to walk with Christ and you get up and you pray then you have started out the right way yes sir walking with God it will mean we come to church, the house of God. Let me say it that way because I don't want to misinterpret anything. Walking with God may mean we come to the house of the Lord early to pray before service begins so our hearts can be right with God and ready to worship. Church, I'm not trying to make myself to be anything because I fail just like you. I fall short just like you. I got issues just like you. But what I will tell you is we got to whatever's in our control, we got to take control of that. Whatever we can do, we need to do. And what I what I'm trying to tell you is on Thursdays, I know I'm coming to church. I know I will be in church on Thursday. And so what I do is when I wake up, Everything is geared towards this moment. Everything is geared to this moment. And if we're walking with God, we got to realize if I'm going into the house of God today, everything got to be geared to that moment. And if I'm walking with God, where is that a day that we come together and worship, then everything's still got to be geared to God. But now you have to rely on how he directs you throughout this, that day. But we're talking about walking with God. And so we're talking about walking with God. These are things that we got to realize that we must figure out how we can get to church a little bit early and pray instead of coming in and just just kick it. Mm -hmm. We need to come early and pray. Here is something that sounds like I'm asking too much of you, but I'm going to say it anyway. On Thursdays, maybe I need to work something out with my boss at work. I work a little late on another day, but I need to go just a little early on Thursday. I need to get my mind right. I need to get out of here. I need to get get things right so I can do what I got to do. I am telling you, church, I'm not, I am just trying to tell you when we're walking with God, we prioritize him. That's all I'm really saying when we're walking, we prioritize him. We can't just go about and do what we want and ask God to come along. Can you imagine? We struggle in our relationship with each other because that's what we're doing. We're letting the other person come along. We're, 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 we're doing our thing and the other person just, they do their thing. Everybody's doing their thing. We can't live like that. We can't walk with God like that where we're doing our thing. And, and because God is loving and kind and merciful, he will work into our schedule. Because he's so good to us. Oh, I understand. Don't worry about it, Wayne. I got you. I know you're busy. I'll catch up with you. 
I'll catch up with you. Go ahead and do what you got to do, Wayne. I got you. Crazy. Was it me that gave you breath? The things that you need to do, can you do them better than me? Do you know what awaits you around the corner? And you telling me you got to go do something? Who do you think you are? Telling me, the almighty God, you got to go do something. I remember him saying, let the dead bury their dead. I remember him saying, don't worry about that piece of land you bought. Come on and come follow me. Now, I'm not telling you because we got crazy people that do this. I'm not telling you you got family members that die. You're talking about, I ain't going to funeral. I'm going to follow Jesus. Hypocrite, don't say that. Because you could have, you listen, if you was really following Jesus, you wouldn't say that. We like to come up with all these used Bible to, to fit our ideology. Oh, Jesus to let the dead bury the dead. So funeral, funeral come around, you don't go to the funeral or whatever, you, because you want the dead to bury the dead. Did Jesus tell you to let the dead bury the dead in your case? But we use the word of God to fit what we wanted. Many professing disciples struggle to truly obey the scriptures because they do not know what the scriptures say. They choose to rely on someone else to tell them the truth. And though it is important to have a pastor in our life, it is the responsibility of us to develop our understanding in searching out the scripture. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, not unto man. It is never too late to begin a regular reading of the Bible. Disciples who read and study the word for themselves will find their lives are enriched and their hearts are encouraged. They will find God speaking to them through the living word of God. Finally, God calls us to ministry. Jesus called Simon and Andrew to be fishers of men. He wanted them to minister to the others. That call is the same for us today. If God has saved you and you are walking with him, he is also calling you to do a work for him. As we will find out in the following weeks, the disciples were just getting started when they followed Jesus. From here, they went throughout their known world preaching the gospel, praying for the sick, casting out devils, and testifying to others of God's power. God's call to us is the same. He is calling us all to ministry. We are all called to share our personal testimony and the story of salvation to others. We can do that every day, no matter how long we have walked with Jesus Christ. There are some who minister in the sanctuaries and in the stadiums. There are others who will minister on factory floors, in the living rooms. There are some who will minister in the prisons, on the streets. There are some who will minister in the corporate conference rooms, the cafeterias, the school classrooms. God may be calling you to minister by teaching a Sunday school class, driving a van, vacuuming the sanctuary, mowing the lawn, the church helping out with the neighbor next door helping them or volunteering at the local food bank or shelter 
There is so much that we couldn't be doing. This is why the Lord says, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name. Because we want to think that if we're not laying hands on somebody, if we're not preaching the word, we're not serving God. No, if you make up in your mind that everything that I do, I do unto the Lord, then you are serving him if you go to the food bank. You are serving him if you go to soup kitchen. You are serving him if you go and help your neighbor out when they're struggling. You are serving him when you do something in the kingdom. It don't have to be preaching. But if you do everything unto him, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're doing it all unto him. Whatever God has gifted you to do, whatever he has given you a love to do, he is calling you to give that gift back to him to use for his glory. If you feel like God is calling you to a certain area of ministry, then come talk to me. Talk to the leaders in the church so we can help you fulfill your purpose in God. The call to discipleship is an exciting invitation to relationship and ministry. Our finite minds are incapable of fully understanding the magnitude of the individual call God places on our life. We don't even understand it. We just think, oh, yeah, God called us, and we have no clue. I finish with this. He is regarded by many as the first Christian missionary to the Muslims. Henry Martin was only 24 years old when he left for India, leaving a promising future and an unfinished degree from Cambridge University behind. Henry chose to the dismay of many to answer a call from God to reach the Indian people for Jesus Christ. Some mocked his decision. One so-called friend even said of Henry, this is a most improper step for him to leave the university to preach to the ignorant heathen, which any person could do. Henry realized very quickly responding to the call of God would not be easy. He would be misunderstood and mocked. He would, have the, he would have to wrestle and fight for what he believed God was asking him to do. Within the first six years of his service in India, Martin had translated the entire New Testament in, into Hindi and Persian. Working with others, he eventually saw the translation completed in Arabic. Martin worked in a difficult field, but answering the call of God was the most important to him. At the age of 31, Martin developed tuberculosis and died while traveling back to England in hopes of getting the proper treatment. What a dramatic change and response in the life of this great missionary. The reason he could respond with such conviction was because he had caught a glimpse of what it meant to be a disciple. To be swallowed up in a desire to glorify God. To call a wholehearted response requires. Church, if you're going to die, and if I'm going to die, we need to be quite comfortable dying in Christ. It hit me today. Most successful people, they believe 
Success is when you have contributed to humanity. Not material. Because as you and I probably know, the most successful people, they're not consumed by material things. Some of the most successful people, and you look at them, you say, man, can you put on some clothes and look better than that? Look like somebody's child. I don't know if y'all know Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler, probably close to a billionaire right now. And when he shows up, Timberland boots, sweatpants, and some old shirt that just looked like it's taking a beating. And if you don't know Adam Sandler, you're like, who's this guy? Because... The people that have it, they realize, I don't have to prove anything to you. And we that don't have it saying, I need a leg up, so let me always try to present myself pretty good. So there's nothing wrong with presenting yourself pretty good because you need a leg up. So let me present pretty good so at least I, 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 get, a, you know, I get a leg up in the situation. But the rich, they don't have to do nothing because they money talk. But my point is, the rich... And those that says, I want to make a difference in life, in their mind, the difference that they will make is a contribution to society, to human beings, not material things. And it hit me hard today where I'm like, man, God, that's what we do if we will do your will. We're making a difference for all eternity. We're making the greatest impact on society than any millionaire or billionaire can ever do if they ain't doing it for Christ. What they're chasing to make a name for themselves for to say, this is what I did when I lived. They're chasing that to establish their family's name to say, this is what we contributed to society. We, lowly old us can do more powerfully than what they're doing with all the money that they got. And we're missing the boat because we're just trying to get by with our little lifestyle that we're living. We're trying to get by to live a comfortable life. And we don't realize we need to contribute to society. The greatest contribution they can ever have is what we do as Christians. Most of us have a desire to make a great impact or contribution to society, the human race. I cannot think of a greater way to do that than to become a disciple of Jesus Christ and help others become a disciple of Jesus Christ. God's call to us asks the same. He calls for us to be saved by obeying his word and making our hearts right with him. He calls for us to walk with him and spend our time in prayer and in his word. And he calls for us to walk in ministry so others can be blessed by him and know him like we are blessed to know him. If you have not yet answered God's call, follow in the footsteps of the early disciples, then you need to consider doing it immediately. We can't waste time. We can't just show up to the house of God and just another sermon, another lesson that is being taught. We've got to take this thing and start making it work in our life. We've got to get on our knees and cry out to God and say, God, if it's me, then show me what I'm messing up in so I can get it right and begin to serve you in an impactful way. If it's not me, then open my eyes to see what you're showing me that I may go and do what I got to do. We've got to cry out to God in that kind of way because a lot of times we're praying prayers that God is saying, yeah, you're saying words. Your heart not ready. 
your heart not ready. If I do what you're asking, you wouldn't handle it and you'll make a whole lot of excuses because you're just saying words and your heart not ready. But when your heart get ready, I will do what you're asking me to do because then I'll know that you will do it. This is what I mean by heartfelt prayers when you pray, not just saying stuff. Heartfelt prayer. Don't you feel sometimes that God has got to be more to this than what I'm experiencing? There's got to be more to this than what I'm experiencing. This got to be more real to me than I'm experiencing. I got to know that I'm pleasing you and walking in the faith and doing the will. I am not satisfied just coming to the house of God, just reading my Bible without experiencing the power of God, without it seeing people's life being changed because I'm working and serving the Lord. Lord, I am not satisfied unless that's happening. None of us should be satisfied. None of us. We got to go to God sincerely. And whatever you do to express your sincerity. A lot of people don't give their life to God because they start calculating what it will mean. And a lot of Christians don't want to pray the prayers I'm telling you now because you're calculating what it means. Can you give God a little bit more credit than you're giving him, please? Can you give God a little bit more credit to know that he knows you, he loves you, and how he will use you, you will be okay. You will be okay. But if you don't, if you don't pray the prayers that comes from the heart about the things of God because you're concerned about, well, I won't have time to do this and my hands are full. You know, I got this going. I got. Give God a little bit more credit than that. Because what I understand about God, when you go to him sincerely and tell him that you want to serve him, that you want to do what you have been created to do and you want to help his kingdom to advance, he will begin to move things around all around you. He will begin to put some things in place where now the things that you used to worry about, you don't have to worry about anymore. I am telling you, I know for a sure thing today because I put him first when I did years ago. I said it Sunday. I believe he moved things around and today in my job, I am just like, I thank God I had the opportunity. I remember, it's been years Years now that I'm leaving my job uh, on lunchtime to go baptize somebody in Jesus' name. Years now I've left my job to go to the hospital to pray for somebody. But I believe when I cried out to God and says, God, I want to serve you. I want to be real in living for you. I believe he moved things around in my life and made sure I wasn't bombarded and cumbered about with all these things that are stopping me from doing his will. And I think that some of us can't do it because we're afraid to pray for God's will to be done done in our life because we think that I can't handle another thing. Well, you're not understanding who God is. Your life can be consumed, but when you go to him, he says, okay, I'm ready now. Let me move this out the way. Let me bring this in the way. Let me give you this. Let me take away that. And before you know it, you can serve him all your heart, all your mind, and effectively. And you're wondering, how did I ever get here? Because you wanted to serve God. Because you wanted to serve God. Give God more credit than you're giving him. You don't want to pray the prayers of faith for God to use you because you're concerned. How can you pull this off? This is a lot. I've already got a lot going. Talk to him about that and see what he will do. And your lot won't be a whole lot because he will make it that you can get all of what you're getting done and fulfill his purpose in you. Let's stand to our feet.
called to discipleship. I'm going to be talking about this till you get tired of it. You're going to get tired of this. What are you preaching about this Thursday? You know he's going to talk about discipleship again. Oh, Lord, I need to hear something else. Who was I telling this to? Where was I saying this? I was telling somebody the other day that the congregation dictate the messages that are preached. You don't want to believe that because you want to think, well, God, tell the man of God what to say. Yeah, according to what the people that are going to be there need to hear. So the people that are here, what they're doing will dictate the message that they will hear. When you're hearing a certain message, just be ready to say, okay, until I start doing it, I'm going to keep hearing it. That's how God works. So you will continue to hear about discipleship until you start doing it. If you don't start doing it, you're going to keep hearing about it. That's the way God works, because that's what he's calling us to do, is to be a disciple and start to make disciples of Christ. That's what he wants us to do. And there's not one person that is in our church that God can't use to make disciples, to minister to somebody. God can use every one of us, and you will get sick of this message until you start doing it. If you feel like... you. That's just too much. Go talk to God about it because God will work it out. He will make the way. But all of us as children of God, we might need to move from Christian and convert and saints to disciple. And when you get to disciple, then you will help to make somebody else a disciple. And then you will realize we can do this. We can do this. But we, I will not stop talking about this until we get some people to start doing it. We got to start making disciples. We got to start reaching the lost. But don't wear yourself out. Pray for God to direct you as to who to call up, who to go talk to, who to make friends with. Let God direct you that way and you will be effective. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Oh, God, your word has gone forth. This was our first lesson on call to discipleship. God, I pray the fire of the Holy Ghost will burn within us. And that, Lord God, we will become restless. That, God, we will become challenged in every which way we turn, Lord God. That, Lord, we will realize that this is what you have called us to the kingdom to do. And until we do it, Lord God, you will continue to speak it to us. Lord, I know that sometimes we want to go to the next level or we want to go to the next thing. But, Lord, I know you will not allow us to go to the next thing until we first do the first thing. And I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that this word will take root in our heart, Lord God, and that it will grip our soul, Lord God, and that this word will begin to overtake us to the point, Lord God, where we will become a doer of the word of God. That, Lord, what we do, Lord God, we will now begin to do unto you and not unto self, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you will stir up the gift in somebody tonight. 
I pray, Lord God, that somebody will grab a hold of your word and realize the importance of your word, Lord God. That we will not be stagnated. That we will not, oh God, stay in a place, Lord God, where we can't do your will. Whatever that have us bound, Lord God, will you set us free that we will move forward in you. Lord, if we are not right within our heart, if, if we are consumed and cumbered about, Lord God, with the things that hinders the work of God, Lord, will you show us, will you speak to us about those things that, Lord, we can get them rid of and taken care of, that we can move forward in liberty, in the power of your spirit, Lord, to do your will. Father, people are dying all around us. Every way we turn, Lord God, souls are dying. They're in trouble, Lord God. And Lord, oh God, will you be, oh God, merciful to them and use us, Lord. They're dying, Lord God. And Lord, we don't want to just stand idly by while souls die in their sin. Help us, O oh God, to move about and touch them and minister to them and love them and share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and manifest the kingdom of God where the power of God will be revealed. Lord, don't let this church be stagnated. No more, Lord God. Let this church, Lord God, be moved by the power of your spirit, Lord God. Don't let this church be complacent, Lord God, but move on us, Lord Jesus, that the fire of the Holy Ghost will burn within us, Lord, that we will raise up and take our rightful place and go and do the work of the ministry, Lord. Don't let this church, Lord God, be stagnated, Lord. Move upon us, for you've called us to be a 21st century apostolic church. Oh God, apostolic in power. Oh God, in principle and in lifestyle, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be the apostolic church in this hour and carry out the work of the ministry. Oh God. Strengthen us, Lord God, as we go tonight. Oh, God, strengthen us that we will hunger and thirst after righteousness, that we will hunger and thirst after you, that we will seek first the kingdom. Bless us, Lord God. Oh, God, let the gifts that you have placed in us, let us begin to use them. Help us to begin to use them to reach our world all around us. Strengthen us. Strengthen this church as we give you the praise and the honor for there is none like you. Jesus, you are so good. We bless your name. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you, church. Don't forget to give to the building fund. Thank you for tuning in online. Thank you for coming here in person. And we hope to hear from you Saturday morning at our prayer breakfast.